0: Podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeart Media Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. back, Miller and Condon, in the 11 o'clock hour. Ten minutes from now or thereabouts, we'll speak with Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com. Get his take on uh, Purdue taking it to the Hawks last night. 36 points. 36 or 34? 36. 36. Uh, we'll do that with Tom. Some football stuff as well. His signing day has come and gone. Get his take on Mark D'Antonio. And I'll uh, go around the uh, the Big Ten uh, with Tom Cakert. And then Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports, about 11-35 he will join the program. We'll talk Big Twelve with Matt Postons. Uh, there was some high school football news, Trent, that mm-hmm. uh, that came out early this morning. I know there was a lot of folks that um, a, lot of, a lot of schools, a lot of coaching staffs, a lot of uh, re- uh, reporters that cover high school sports, been waiting for this announcement to be made. So, so help us out. Is you know, on a scale of one to ten, is this a big? Earth, uh, game-changing announcements. Uh, help, help me out with this. I
1: don't think so. I think in the interim, this is a dipping the toe into the process of the way maybe teams are going to be categorized going forward. Categorized going forward because we've heard the talk about different schools, different demographics, and the divide that we've seen here in our city between the suburban schools and the city schools and how that gap continues to widen, especially on the football field in terms of numbers and just participation, those types of things, the The number continues to grow. What is it now? old for their last 112 against mm. the sub- suburban schools for the city schools, and we've seen that, I think, more than anything on the football front. Now, that does go to other areas, but this is a football-only right. conversation, so, though they're not separating the classes, if you will, and making a 5A for the sub- suburban schools. Could and they have? They could have. I think that is something that certainly will still be talked about mm-hmm. going forward. When does
0: Waukee get their next high school?
1: 2021. Okay, so we're getting close. So, that is also the reason that you're seeing this just be one year that this plan is mm, going to be implemented. Gotcha. Because next season, we will have Waukee Northeast to go along with Waukee High School. Because of that, does that mean somebody shifts and goes down to the 3A level, or do they go to 42 schools? So it's 40 schools for this year will be playing 4A football. Districts are no more in 4A. Every other class, yes, but as we knew them, districts where you play round robin everybody are not together. Instead, you are put together with a group. Your group is not around Robin's schedule. Where you play everybody, but it's just basic kind of a geographic placeholder.
0: So, so, in the district, you would play everybody, right? In the group that you're assigned to, that doesn't necessarily mean you'll see the the other teams in your group. Correct. You will play if you're Dowling
1: Catholic, you will play the upper tier of your group. If you're Des Moines East, you will play the teams on the lower tier mm-hmm. of that group. You're also assigned two games from the state that are games that you didn't choose. But you're matched up with teams of similar
0: ills. So, might the trend, are uh, the distance between schools go away when it comes to that? I mean, might might a Dowling play a team? So I'll use Bettendorf.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. That's something that the state could go to and put together. You're going to play them. And, and, and that think, would be a two-year, so Dowling would go to Bettendorf and then, and then they uh, I think that's Harvey what they will here. go back to when, when the second Waukee High School opens. Okay. They'll go back to that two-year scheduling agreement. But again, this is just for the one year. This is for 2020. I think Dowling had, what was it, Waukee and Southeast Poker, their two kind of guaranteed games from outside of their group. You know they'll play Valley, who's outside of their group, mm-hmm. and you get some flexibility there. It's Can you find a flaw? I can't. It's it's very difficult to kind of wrap. You saw me reading through it this morning. Uh-huh. I was very confused for a while trying to understand mm-hmm. because you're so used to You play everybody in your district. You see these groups. Okay, we're going to play everybody in your group. You don't play everybody in your group. So just wrapping my mind around it proved to be a little bit more difficult.
0: But So strength of schedule when it comes to playoffs because if you're in – Group A, we'll mm-hmm. call it, yeah, and you know the teams at the top of it are having to play teams of their like, we meaning you know teams that uh, usually have pretty good records. Yet a team like we we'll used Moines East, since you did, mm-hmm. what if they put together a good season because they're playing kind of the, I hate to say bottom feeders; those kids practice are, but you get my point, right? Yeah, lower tier teams, lower tier teams. So how will they how will they assign playoffs out of that? Then that would be the
1: negative, and that's something that dump, did bump into my mind because. If you put together a nice six and three season, but your six wins are against teams that are, you know, one and eight, oh, and nine, right? right. The RPI is strictly a schedule based formula. It has nothing to do with anything else in there. And because of that, yeah, there might be a team left out because of that RPI, because though they have six victories, none of them are against teams with winning Mm -hmm. records. Mm -hmm. That happens. I'm sure there's going to be more hand rigging. That's certainly going to happen. But
0: 3A, 2A, 1A, 8-man, etc. No changes from what you've seen.
1: Correct. Everything is going to stay the same with them. So that will be, as you know it, there's moving inside the districts and things like that. But overall, the structure is the same. There's also been a lot of talk, especially outside of Class 4A, going back to a 32-team bracket come playoff time, but only eight regular season games. So you don't have to go back to the, Wednesday, Monday, Friday, Mm. first three rounds that we had in the past, it was just so taxing on the kids. Yeah, it was
0: fun. It was fun. (laughs) It just moves right along. It was
1: fun, but uh, you think of those kids and what they have to go through physically. I'm with you. When you're playing three football games Mm -hmm. within...
0: What is it? Nine days. Well, you play Friday. Then you uh, regular season ends on a Friday. Play you Wednesday. open on a Wednesday. You come back on a Monday. Then you play again on a Friday. And if you're still standing, you get to the dome. So you're playing. <laughs>
1: That's a lot of games. That's four games
0: in fourteen days. When
1: you factor in the final game of the regular season, nobody else does that in football. No, you don't play that way. So that'll yeah, be interesting. But yeah, it'll be. They're going to stay with the nine game regular season for all classes. Sixteen team brackets going forward. Personally. For those lower levels, because we still see it today, teams that go seven and two, eight and one, in Class Two A, One A get left out of the playoffs. Go to eight regular season games, go to then that thirty-two team bracket, and you know another thing you could do to maybe get an extra gate: the teams that don't make it can play a final regular season game, and
0: yeah, do it. whatever
1: it is. Maybe it's a couple 0-8 teams and you match them up and somebody's going to get a win yeah. in that final week. Whatever it is, right. Minnesota does something similar. Missouri does something similar for that final week. So everybody also gets to play nine games in the regular season. Uh, how are my Rough Riders coming out of this? Rough Riders looking good. That program continues to build. If They are the hope of the city they schools right now. That uh, is going to make that leap and maybe nip somebody
0: this season. Got the right guy running the ship. No, no doubt. No doubt about that. All right, we'll take a timeout. Tom Caker will join the program. We will get into last night's debacle. I uh, and Mackie. Um, was it a one game? Certainly got to beat Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do this, though. Trend time to help pay your bills with iHeartRadio, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Text the keyword super to 200, 200. Right now, it's your chance to win a 1,000. Super to 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Uh, Coming back with Tom Kakert, HawkeyeReport.com, Miller and Condon till noon, 1460 KXNO and 106. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM, taking you until noon. Murfin and Andy slide in at 2. The Fanatics at 4. Cyclone Fanatic radio program, I believe, on the air tonight as well. Let's talk some Hawks. We'll go back to last night. We will do some football as the uh, uh, late signing period has come and gone. Want to get into the Aussie punter, Tori
2: Taylor. Yes.
0: So many of them in college football trend, and they are having a major, major impact on the game. Let's get Tom Kaker Hawkeye Report, in here. Tom, the bad before the good, that was clearly on display at Mackey last night. I know a lot of folks are, a lot of the fan base is up in arms. Oh, here we go. It's the fan frayed. It's the middle of February. I told you it was coming. I'm not one of them uh, that sees it that way. I think that you know, obviously, it could be proven wrong. Let's beat Nebraska this week and uh, get that ship back on the right course. But yeah, it was a bad game. It was a, it was a stinker. I think you draw a line through it. Uh, how about you, Tom Kaker?
3: Yeah, I I just think it was it just it, I, I compared it today to um, Iowa got it was like Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson mm-hmm. where where when when. Buster knocked Mike down, and Purdue did that last night with that seventeen-point run. And Iowa was like Mike Tyson in that corner the rest of the way, just fumbling for the mouthpiece. I mean, they just they just didn't respond to it, and that's a first time I think really all year. Maybe you could say the DePaul game, but where they have just looked like uh, we just got hit, and then they and Fran said it after the game. They just kind of um, they didn't attack it right after that and he took blame for that, mm-hmm. um, but they, they tried to make up 17 points in one shot, and you just can't do that. A quick shooting, taking bad threes, um, turning the ball over by trying to drive into the lane. They just did everything that you're not supposed to do and that they haven't done all year to respond to that, and uh, just a little bit of panic and uh, but they haven't shown that all year. And let's face it, Purdue just played out of their mind. Yeah, I mean, 19-3, shoot 55%. Now, some of them were open, but there were quite a few that they had a hand in the face, and they were just knocking them down. So, uh, And I think Evan Boudreau is still mad that Iowa canceled his
0: official visit at
3: the last minute.
0: <laughs> well, he sure played like it last night. My That's God. the kid that
1: ended up at Dartmouth, right?
3: Yeah, he ended up at Dartmouth where his mom was the all time leading scorer there mm. in women's hoops. And, um, but Iowa had recruited him for a while and then they had gone so far as to schedule an, uh, a visit. And then, uh, at the last minute, they pulled the plug on it and decided not to go on him and he ended up at Dartmouth and played there, graduated early and grad transferred and has played the last two years at Purdue. And boy, he, he played, he's been playing really well for them too. So. It's not like it was an anomaly. Uh, I was talking to our Purdue beat writer uh yesterday, and he he said he's just been playing really well. And he, the other thing, and I think Robbie Hummel might have brought it up after the game, if if Purdue had lost to Northwestern on uh, over the weekend, that maybe that that Purdue team just doesn't come out with that same sort of fire. Mm-hmm.
0: He did bring uh, it maybe up, I they're heard him say. Kinda, it,
3: yep. Yeah, I think it was Robbie that brought it up. And that was really a good point that, uh, and I, I think I was just. This has been a tough stretch with four games in like you know ten, twelve days, something like that. And and they're coming off an emotional win uh, over the weekend. And I just, I just think they were they're a tired team because they're not getting much off the bench, and the the main guys are logging a lot of minutes. Maybe the. The upside of, of getting blown out is you got Joe Wieskamp, C.J. Frederick and Luca Garza off the floor and got them some rest.
1: Yeah, got them off their feet after what, playing those three games very tight last week and now at least a little bit of rest with Nebraska coming in and you'd hope you'd be able to run them out of the gym and maybe get a little bit more rest before a couple of road games next week. Tom, we talked about some of the ridiculous numbers that came out of the box score. Connor McCaffrey, minus 40 in the plus <laughs> and minus metric. Even Luka Garza, minus 32. But uh, here's one for you. So, just to give uh, the listeners out there that aren't big advanced analytics kind of listener, Luka Garza this year... And co-hosts. ...is 118 in offensive efficiency. So, basically, 18 points better than the average player. Last night, three different players for Purdue were offensive rating 200 or better. Oh, my God. It, it's unthinkable. It, it's unthinkable for one guy to do that in the course of the game, but Baduro was 206. Stefanovic
0: had to be one.
1: No, Stefanovic, no, no. 144, which is still a ridiculously mm-hmm. good number. 249 for Jihad Proctor. I've never seen a number like that before, and even Aaron Wheeler was 202. That was the embodiment of a team playing out of their mind. Well, Proctor didn't miss the whole game, I don't think.
3: Yeah, he was he was really good. Yeah. And, um, you know, in the Ken Palm defensive rating, which I always look at, um, I would jump like uh, 20, 25 spots yeah. from where they were. They were in the, like the low 90s, and now they're they're way up in the 113 range.
1: They were 81 yesterday going into the game, 113 today. Yeah. This late in the season to go that many spots, it just can't happen. So let's look to Nebraska. It's a bad Nebraska team. They got Iowa over in Lincoln, but it's not just the Purdue game. You know, This Iowa offense has still looked clunky here over the two weeks, and being at home maybe covered up some of those deficiencies here. I told Ken earlier in the program today, Tom, to me, it's not just about winning this game and getting good feelings there. Getting this offense right. The schedule sets up here. Three teams that aren't very good defensively. This offense needs to get cr- cranked up along with what we're talking about defensively.
3: And that's where the, the fatigue thing, I think, really hits them. Because they just haven't shot the ball great um, from the outside. And the first thing to go when you're fatigued is your legs. Mm-hmm. And and they just have not shot it well, uh, I, I don't think, at least... You know, CJ's been okay. Joe's been okay. Connor had the good game on Sunday, but he has not shot it well. Uh, they just haven't shot it great from the outside. Um, you know, Kreener has not played his best basketball he, and he played okay last night, but he, he was, he's been, uh, it's been a struggle. Um, I just, that's the thing I worry about is that they're just not getting a lot off the bench. I mean, Sunday it was 29 zip off the bench, and, you know, if not for the garbage time points, it would have been uh, something similar, Uh, not as bad, but, um, you know, similar against Purdue. So they've got to figure out a way uh, to get their legs back, and uh, this is the end of that stretch, and then they'll get, you know, uh, several days off before they have to go. But then looking ahead to next week, that Indiana game is – you know, a later game on a Thursday night. And then they got to play uh, Sunday at Minnesota uh, at noon. Mm. So it's a short turnaround. I mean, they'll get back late, late Thursday night, prep on Friday, have to leave for Minnesota on Saturday. So, um, and play an early game. So that's a, that's a tough spot uh, for Iowa in that game.
0: And Nebraska, the last time Nebraska won was against Iowa. Going all the way back. And here's yeah. the thing. they've. It wasn't too many weeks ago. Help me out with this, Trent. They, they almost had Rutgers beat at the rack. You remember they that? They did, yes. And I think it was Baker that hit a big shot at the end of that basketball game. So they do... I mean, they do play well periodically, but look, wish should win that basketball game. Uh, Tom, let's switch over to yesterday' football. You had a couple of opportunities to talk to uh, to talk football. I know Coach Ferentz bet you guys. So help me out with Tory Taylor. I, I'm I'm anxious to see this kid. Australian punters are taking over college football. They just are. I mean, you they are sprinkled all throughout uh, Power Five conference rosters, and they seem to uh, be able to put it where exactly where they want it. And they're all, well, for the most part, uh, really good at the. Craft, how did they find this kid?
3: Um, there is this—I uh, guess it's—it's uh, uh, it's fair to call it—a company in Australia called Pro Kick Australia that has essentially been training and funneling these guys to uh, D1 colleges since the Australian punter thing has kind of taken off. And you look every year, and Tyler Barnes, the director of recruiting, said this yesterday. You look at the Ray Guy list every year and it's littered with Australians now every year and uh, so, um, you know, Iowa works with that group and like a lot of college programs do and they found uh, Taylor there and you know, he's 22, so he's kind of a non-traditional student, but he's got four years of eligibility and uh, LeVar Woods took the longest recruiting trip ever for an Mm. Iowa coach, I think, and (laughs) went down there to see him and to meet his family he has not been the kid has not been to iowa city yet hmm. that's the crazy thing he has not visited iowa but that's just kind of how this is i mean sleep dalton while well, he was down at asu so he's uh, you know at least stateside he didn't get to iowa city until after he had uh, committed to iowa so um yeah it's just uh you know that's that's where they're fine that's where kicker punters are being grown these days that's why Kirk was joking about that Dusty Dvorak quote that, uh, you know, train your kids to be punters kind of thing. There's a <laughs> crisis in punting in America yeah. today. You know,
1: Tom, uh, as you go through, yesterday would have been one of the busiest days of the year for you instead. It was very quiet. Uh, what can you tell us about the February date? And it's almost obsolete at this point.
3: It is. It's, uh, you know, that day, uh, the, the first Wednesday in February for, uh, most of my time doing this has been the busiest day of the year. I mean, that's one of those days where I'm up till two, three in the morning. I'm up at 6 a.m. Uh, there's a little, to no sleep. It's just busy. And you're, you're doing a lot of things on those days and trying to verify letters of intent and everything that's gone. Now it's just, you know, uh, there's, there's, I, I would guess probably 85% of the prospects, maybe more than that now. I, I know it was over 80 last year, uh, sign in December now. And December is, is the new February in, in recruiting. And so you're, um, uh, you know, Tyler Barnes had a funny quote where he says, you don't want to be in a position after December where you're shopping hungry, which means you're uh, basically taking, <laughs> grabbing anything that's the out cart, there right. instead of, yeah, and um, that's kind of where we're at in college football, where most of the kids have made their decision. Most of the schools have done all their work, and, and there's you know a few high-profile kids that'll hang out there, but for the most part, everybody's done uh, in the month of December.
0: Hmm. Uh, your thoughts on Mark Dantonio? Uh, the uh, the timing of it was odd. You know, he come out after the season and just I mean he was coming back. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He says that the legal troubles and the stuff that cropped up the night before he resigned had nothing to do uh with his decision. I, I like that Geico commercial. I am not sure his no uh, Pinocchio's nose was growing or whether it wasn't, but uh, it just seems fishy, Tom. There there's more to it than we know at this point, I think. Uh, th- there's
3: absolutely more to it, because why would he resign the day before signing day when he had kids that he was signing that next day? Uh, you just, uh, you know, let's not insult our intelligence, right. Mr. D'Antonio. Uh, it's it's clearly something else that happened. Um, and, you know, th- there's just been a lot of speculation around that program. My sense, just, just my own take, is... D'Antonio was probably told, you can go out on your feet or you can go out on your back. Mm. This is your choice. And I think he decided, I'd rather go out on my feet and instead of getting canned. So uh, that's kind of how it all went down. And it was probably something to do with all the goofy things. And then, you know, obviously that the Curtis Blackwell story where, um, you know, he has testified to NCAA violations, and that was probably the straw that broke the camel's back. I expect they're going to hire probably Luke Fickle here in the next day or so.
1: Full circle with you, Tom. We'll finish up back on basketball. But on the recruiting front, I saw Rivals had an update talking about the class of 2023, making us all feel old. Hmm. And, of course, Bronny James at the uh, forefront of the conversation. But a kid in our backyard from Dowling Catholic, Omaha, Baloo. I've been able to call a couple of games this season. You can see the athletic ability. He's going to be one of the better players in that class, and looks to be a top ten player for 2023. He was in Iowa City for the Illinois game over the weekend. What can you tell us? Very early in the recruiting process for Blue.
3: Yeah, I talked to Omaha last night actually for about 10-15 uh, minutes about just his recruitment and. Uh, you know our old friend Van Coleman has him as the number one player in that class, and that's one that includes Bronny James and Mikey Williams, who everybody loves. A kid out of San Diego and uh, Dewan Wagner's kid. You want to re- feel really old that Dewan Wagner has a kid that's, uh, that's a high school age kid now. So um, and those are all highly sought prospects, and there's a lot of buzz about that class. And and uh, and, and there he is. He's he's in that uh, in that group and. Um, it it's gonna be uh interesting to see what kind of offers and interest he gets. Um, uh, he is a um he, he did tell me that the Iowa offer and them offering first and kind of being around them a little bit is gonna be something that's gonna stick with him through throughout the recruiting process. So um but he's a big time prospect. I mean, he's you know, do a do a little search on the internet of him and uh and, and some of the viral clips of him at the USA basketball thing and You'll see why everybody likes
0: him. Hmm. Van Coleman, I haven't heard his name. <laughs> he, he, he was a must-have guest 15 or 20 years yeah. ago. I haven't heard his name in a long time. Tom, great stuff. Thank you. Uh, appreciate you moving up a day. Uh needed to talk all the football recruiting with you, and we are grateful uh, that you were able to accommodate us. Thank you, Tom. We'll talk to you next week.
3: Okay, thanks for having me on, guys.
0: Yeah, good to Bye-bye. talk to you. Tom Kakert, HawkeyeReport.com. Timeout, out. Uh, Matt Poston's on the Big 12 next. Heartland College Sports. We take you until noon, 1460 KXNO. And one- next pre-owned vehicle for less. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460
3: KXNO. And now on...
0: Millery Condon talk some Big Ten with Tom Cater let's do the same on the Big 12 with Matt Poston heartlandcollegesports.com he's just a uh, published a good piece, Heartland College Sports, NBA, the top draft prospects for the 2020 NBA draft. Right at the top of the list, uh, no surprise, he, he remains there, Tyrese Halliburton, mm-hmm. number four at ESPN, number seven at CBSSports.com. Uh, so despite the, the season that the team is having, uh, certainly, at least at this point, doesn't show that it's affecting Halliburton at all adversely. Uh, and Matt Poston's joins us. Matt, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. Real good piece. Enjoyed reading it. And at the top of the list, draft prospects, uh, there sits Iowa State's Tyrese Halliburton. And I, I assume he's going to stay at the top of that list uh, uh, when the season's all said and done. How are you?
2: I'm good. And, yeah, he really hasn't budged. He's been pretty much considered to be a, a lottery-type player uh, pretty much since this cycle began in preparing for the 2020 NBA draft. And, you know, to me, he really kind of fits the type of player that the NBA teams are looking for, especially ones that are trying to rebuild and get better. Um, you look at early in the season when he was racking up the triple doubles. He's a uh, good ball handler. He's a good passer. He's a very good shooter. Uh, he's a willing defender. Uh, he has the type of length and, and height that teams are looking for. He's a good three-point shooter. Uh, he does everything well. Maybe he's not, you know, he may not necessarily be a star or a superstar in the NBA, but he certainly does everything well, and that type of player has a really good opportunity to find a good fit in the NBA. Uh, you know, right now, barring injury, I would I, I see him declaring early. You know, mm-hmm. leaving after this season, I see no reason for him not to. When you're considered to be a lottery pick, right? To me, I feel like that's probably the right time for you to go uh, as a college player. Somebody like Jamis Ramsey at Texas Tech is kind of in that late first round category. He'd be a guy that I would recommend keeping just because the the back end of the first round draft in the NBA just becomes so volatile with trades and the international players that teams seem to fall in love with. He could easily fall into the second round, even though I think ultimately uh, as good a player as he is, he's a first-round talent. You
1: know, Tyrese Halliburton's a really nice player. He didn't shoot it a ton last season, and people wondered you know, what kind of scoring output he'd have with a lot more on his shoulders this year. And he's answered the question there, but... I understand he's a nice player. Why are the NBA guys so enamored with him, though? I mean, I I, I don't know. I, there's just times that I watch him and understand the talents there, the sizes there, but then you see the weird shot, and you look at a 9-13 and team, you kind of wonder on that front, too. Why is it that NBA people not just like him, but like him at this
2: level? Well, first of all, most scouts disregard the record of the mm-hmm. team uh, in most cases because they're evaluating the player themselves, mm-hmm. and they're looking at that player three, five years down the road. And, yeah, he's got that wonky shot. I, I, I kind of liken it to Scotty Pippen to a certain degree. Pippen had that long delivery that wasn't necessarily as, as quick as some of the players I think that you'd like to see shooting from three. But I think the fact that he's so accurate uh, as a shooter, that he can dribble inside and drive, that he, he could play a two guard, he could play small forward. Uh, He can play multiple positions. He can be a combo player for you. He can run the point, too. Uh, So the fact that he has position versatility is going to be of interest to NBA teams. I think they like his uh, makeup overall, especially his mental makeup. He's a tough player. Uh, He's smart. He has a good basketball IQ. Uh, All those are things that uh, NBA teams are going to look at and try to project over the next three to five years. I'm sure on their list is let's work on this shot a little bit, make it more repeatable. Uh, Maybe not necessarily pretty it up, but make it more repeatable so that he's a consistent shooter, whatever you know, uh, whatever shooting style he decides. I was watching the uh, Lakers Celtics documentary that ESPN put together a few years ago, and they showed a shot of Jamal Wilkes shooting the ball, and, and that dude didn't have a pretty shot either, but he was repeatable, and he made the basket practically every time. So I think those are the kinds of things that scouts are going to be looking for, and I think they probably look at him as a guy who, two three years down the road, could be a starter in the NBA. Maybe not your first or second scoring option, but certainly a guy who could be a guy that could put in 10, 12, you know, 13 points a game in for you and be a guy who could, you know, you know, be a guy that could be a consistent passer, consistent rebounder, consistent defender. And you've got to have players like that on your team. I mean, you, we talk about Luka Doncic every once in a while for the Mavs. But you've got to have guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. that can be consistent contributors for you every single night. Hmm.
0: You know, we, uh, it's it's bracketology time as I'm sure you're starting to pay more attention to them. Uh, Matt, Matt Poston's HeartlandCollegeSports.com. We're trying to find that fifth team in the, in, in the Big 12. I mean, we're, we're, we feel pretty good about the, you know, the teams at the top of it and Baylor and West Virginia or Kansas, West Virginia and Texas Tech. Who is the fifth team and might it be, I mean, it might not be anybody, but might it be Texas when it's all said and done? I'm starting to see, you know, Texas just, I thought they quit on Shaka Smart when they were in Morgantown a couple of weeks ago. I really did. That was embarrassing. And then they, I mean, they pulled one out against Iowa State this past weekend, and Iowa State's not very good. Um, Might we be struggling too hard to find a fifth team? And, And who is it in your mind?
2: I think right now the fifth team is Oklahoma. Um, I saw them Saturday against Oklahoma State. Granted, OSU's not having a good season, but you know, I saw a team that with uh, three legitimate scoring options, that plays good defense, uh, that has some players that are coming off the bench now that are really starting to contribute nicely for them. Alondis Williams being one of them. Um, they're really good at home. They've been, you know, really subpar on the road. They're two and six on the road so far this season, and you know, I, I think. Oklahoma's history as a tournament team helps them. They, they they kind of, I wouldn't say they snuck in last year, but they got in as a 10 or 11 seed last year, and I think they won their first game. So I think that helps them from a historical standpoint. I wouldn't rule out Texas making it because Texas does have some good wins on their schedule. They have some opportunities here to rack up, you know, upset a, a ranked team like a Texas Tech. They're playing Texas this weekend. Uh, Tech's not ranked yet, but they're just outside the top 25 at number 26, basically. Um, it's not a it's a top-heavy conference. I think everybody sees that. Um, there's even a little question in, in Jerry Palm's mind about Texas Tech and his last bracketology mm-hmm. on Monday. He actually had Tech as the, one of the first four teams out. I think that will change really fast because Tech has a, a slate of games the next three weeks against those teams that are below them in the Big 12. So they have a really good opportunity to build some momentum, rack up some wins, get up to 20 victories, and kind of get back into everybody's radar before they end up uh, with back-to-back games against Baylor and and Kansas. So right now I think no more than five get in. um, And I think Oklahoma controls their own destiny more right now than Texas does or even TCU, which also has a winning record. But because they played such a weak non-conference schedule, I think it's going to be hard for them to be considered. Kansas a
1: national championship contender. Baylor, I think you have to throw in that mix, too. But the third team, West Virginia, what's the upside with this team? Huggy Bear? can he get West Virginia to their second Final Four under his reign here? He's had a lot of good teams, but really he's been able to punch through all the way there. Do you see that much out of this squad?
2: I think it's possible. First of all, I think the foundation of everything I do is on the defensive end, mm-hmm. and Uh, you know, when you have guys like Oscar Jashibwe and Derek Culver inside who can play defense on the, on the inside. And now that they've developed some good defenders on the perimeter, uh, they, they can, I think they can hang with anybody defensively. They're so deep. Huggins is using 12 guys a Mm -hmm. night and he's really using some interesting rotations and some interesting personnel deployments. And part of what that means is when it comes time to get into the tournament, he's going to have guys that are actually kind of rusted. Uh, and some teams in, in the tournament field are not going to be able to say that. And then when you look at you know the way they've been scoring the basketball lately, you know I see you know them scoring 81 points now, 97 points, 74 points. Even in the loss to Texas Tech, they scored 81. And their lower, lowest scoring output in the last three weeks is, was the 66 points against Kansas State, but they won that game and they held the Wildcats to 57 points. So the question about this team had always been, can they? Can they start generating offense more consistently? And I think we're starting to see that now uh, with this team. Uh, they've developed a, a good perimeter game. Miles McBride has become a real factor. Um, Chase Harler's becoming more of a yes, factor in the basketball from outside. Uh, you know, when you when you think about that inside-outside game and the way those two things can complement one another, right now, you know the you know the guys who do the bracketology are looking at West Virginia as a two or a three. Uh, that would put them in a really good position to make the Sweet Sixteen and If they're if they're hot at the right time, they could definitely upset some folks and 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 maybe get to the final four. And you know, when you consider the way Baylor is set up and Kansas is set up and West Virginia is set up, I like Baylor and West Virginia a little bit more than I do Kansas and it's the defensive factor. Both Baylor and West Virginia play really good defense. And that stuff kind of travels in the NCAA
0: tournament. Indeed, it does. Yeah, that's Huggins' calling card. And you're right about Harler. Seems like he realizes uh, his career is coming to an end. He's about to run out of eligibility, as so many seniors do. Seems the light goes on in the month of February. You know, I'll finish up uh, with you with you here, Matt. And we appreciate you coming on. Uh, I read your piece earlier in the week on Bob Huggins. That was one of the reasons I said to Trent, we got to get postings back in here. Uh, cause I thought it was really well written and and couldn't be more spot on. Um, what's Huggins got to do to get into the Hall of? Fame for crying out loud. He just keeps winning games. He's moving up on any list of all time most wins in college basketball, yet for whatever reason, uh, he hasn't got that call. It's coming, hopefully,
2: isn't it? Yeah, I, I I hope it's coming soon. I mean, I made the point in the piece that, you know, every uh Division One coach in front of him on that list has at least one national championship. He's the only guy, you know, in the top seven that doesn't. Um if you want to hold that against him, fine. But you know, nobody held it against Dan Marino when it came to the Pro Football Hall of Fame that he didn't have a Super Bowl when He got in on the first year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are plenty of players and coaches who are in the Hall of Fame of college football and college basketball that he did not win a national championship. Uh, but, you know, the, the quality of what, you know, Bob Huggins has done at West Virginia is obvious. But you need to look back at his record at Cincinnati. Cincinnati was such a good program in the 60s when Oscar Robertson was there. They won back-to-back titles. They got to the championship game again the next year, and then that program just kind of died for 25 years. They went to the NCAA tournament four times. Bob Huggins rolls in there, gets into the NIT the first two years, and the third year, they get to the NCAA Final Four in that miracle year of, I think, 91. And, you know, if Kenyon Martin hadn't broken his leg back in, in, the, in 2000, they might have gotten to another Final Four. I mean, the turnaround job he did at Cincinnati was pretty incredible when you consider that they weren't in a power conference that he wasn't getting the best recruits out there, but he was still cranking out NCAA tournament teams year after year. Um, I hope he gets in this year, because I I hope he gets the chance to enjoy it. Um, He's a quality coach. He's done great work everywhere he's been as a coach, and I, I hope it happens for him because I think he deserves it.
0: Has that stool that he sits on got its own Twitter account? <laughs> I wonder. Uh,
2: it's, if, it, if it doesn't, it should. Right. Josh, the things it hears on a nightly beta. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Matt,
0: thank you. Appreciate you coming on. Well done. Heartlandcollegesports.com. Uh, you're a really good writer, Matt. Thank you.
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate
0: it. Yeah, good to talk to you. Matt Poston, heartlandcollegesports.com, is we go around the Big 12. All right, Trent Condon, we usually at this point look ahead to a uh, pretty good night in sports. Usually. A good games tonight. You can find some stuff, I Boy, think. Boy, there's too many games in the 6 o'clock time slot, <laughs> Trent. What are we
1: going to do? We have plenty of those. I uh. have a feeling... Going to create a little goodwill for the weekend, especially when we got Saturday. Good idea. So Grey's Anatomy's on tonight. That's one of the wife's favorites still after it's been on so for 20 years. sit
0: down beside her and watch it with her? Yep. Put
1: the phone down. You're such a romantic. <laughs> well, <laughs> Valentine's coming up. Oh, when? Uh, a couple weeks, a little less. What is today? You got a week and a day. I think it's a week from is it the week from tomorrow? tomorrow. Okay. Friday, Friday from, night Valentine's, Friday Valentine's Day night. on a
0: Friday night. You got hot plans? No, no, I have no plans. You and the misses? No, we're too old for that.
1: Too old yeah, for that. You're never yeah, too we old. We've Valentine's
0: Day every day in Cindy Miller's Whoa. life. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm going to ask Cindy about that next yeah, time gotta, I see her. Maybe don't bring that up. She's probably going to disagree. Mm, yeah, if you think. I uh, I looked at the NBA schedule. not bad. Might dip my toe into so TNT So he has got Thursday the covers? Night. TNT, right? 76ers at the Bucks,
0: Pretty good. 76ers. see, they've got a schism or two in their locker room. They very well might be uh, firing Brown here over wouldn't the all Wouldn't be surprised. Brand. I Wouldn't be a bit surprised. At Rockets, All-Star Lakers, Lakers weekend
1: late. this weekend, yeah. right? Uh, well, coming up, yeah, they get the days off, but yeah. Not this... Oh, it's not this weekend, it's the next weekend? Oh, correct, okay. yes. Valentine's weekend. All right. Nothing says love like the NBA All-Star, All-Star game. You've always said that, Trent. Rockets, Lakers late, so... Mm-hmm. Some
0: NBA, because college is not good. No, it's not. There's a couple of Pac-12 games, so I guess Bill Walton will be doing one of them, right? You can only Where assume. Where would, uh, what time slot would he be, in the late, the 9 o'clock? Oh, yeah, they
1: always put him in the late one. we got uh, college hoops going on right now, from the that. horizon yeah, yeah, it's
0: weird. A 10 o'clock tip or something like that? Yeah, I'm guessing Bill Walton's in, uh, he's got UCLA, Arizona State would be my guess tonight. Yes. That's a 10 o'clock our time tip. I won't see a minute of it. Yeah,
1: UCLA, Arizona State, that doesn't do a whole lot for me. I do have a pick, though, for tonight.
0: Well, I don't know if you should, because you're on such a roll, and it seems I, you know, like you're you're shopping hungry. I'm as Tom Kakert said it's a team that I really enjoy. Okay,
1: I've been on them a bunch this season. Mm-hmm. It's uh, one of my football buys The American Athletic Conference. Okay, let's go down to Oklahoma. All the right. Tulsa Golden Hurricanes have been playing good basketball. Frank Haith has mm-hmm. got that program humming along. They're two and a half point favorites. All at home against UConn. That UConn team outside of Italy is not very good. I'm going to lay the two and a half. Okay. We're going to try to make it four straight here. My pick's at the end of the program this week. You're on a roll, Trent Condon. Ten and
0: one last night. You had an unbelievable night. I showed you the sheet. You did. I documented, folks. I saw it with my own two eyes. Walton may have USC-Arizona. Be a better game. That would be a better game. And that's an 8 o'clock tip on espn I might keep an eye on that one. I haven't seen much Arizona. Yeah that's, yeah, that's a good point, right? It's time to start looking at these teams that mm-hmm. you hardly see that are going to be in the tournament. Just do a little homework in front of your bracket. By that point, 8 o'clock, the Jets will be down 3 nothing to the Blues, so I'll be looking to do, uh, go elsewhere.
1: Are your Jets, let's uh, do a hockey minute while no, we got the, a moment. The, it's
0: the, over? The uh, I think the Wild, the Blackhawks, and the Jets may be one of those three local teams. Right.
1: <laughs> you throw Winnipeg in there? Yes,
0: I do. It's only a 12-hour drive. Ten. Ten, okay. Um Depends how much time you spend at the border, too. Sure, you know, so it could be twelve. Uh, yeah, those three teams are, I think, maybe scrapping for one spot. And if it is, it'll be the 8th seed in the West. Who would be
1: the best, most likely of those three to make it? Uh, Jets,
0: Jets, most talented of the group. I think so. They they've got the worst defensive core, but they got the best. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, Friday first foot non-football Friday. Ooh. We'll muddle through it. We'll figure it out. Uh, Dylan we got Monts- XFL. We do, and I know that uh, Matt Campbell's going through the car wash of local reporters, so I'm oh, assuming good. Dylan Moss had that opportunity today. Wade Looking Lookingbill's going to join the show tomorrow as well. Murph and Andy at 2, the Fanatics at 4, Cyclone Fanatic Radio tonight and Friday morning. will start at 6am locally with a morning rush on 1460 KXO and 106.5.